what we're saying each week is that anytime you see a shadow, it is proof that there is light. And each week what we're doing is looking at the shadows that prove that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And this week, the shadow is something that we all, if we're honest with ourselves, we feel inside. And here it is. It's the guilt that we all feel deep. We, we might try to suppress it. We might try to push it out. But we all, to a degree, are aware that we are guilty of something. We feel guilt in our life. And today, what we see Jesus do is give us a recipe. A recipe that changes everything for us who feel guilty. And here's the recipe. Not the sound. <laughs> The recipe is this, Jesus condemns the proud and then forgives the condemned. He condemns the proud and forgives the condemned. Now, here's what he's doing. He's taking those of us who are prideful and he's showing us all the reasons why we have no reason to be prideful. He's showing us our guilt, but then as he does that, he offers grace. He makes the arrogant insecure while making the insecure confident in grace. He disturbs the comfortable, but then comforts the disturbed. And he breaks down the self-righteous, but then builds up the outcast. And here's how he does all of this. He does it by demanding perfection, but then offering grace. And he doesn't come off, 100% both of those things doesn't come off of any of them. And he alone is the only one who's able to do this. And personally today, if you will let him, if you'll let him get inside your head and inside your heart, he's going to show you that you have been approaching God in all of these wrong ways, that you are falling into this trap. But he's going to give you the recipe that rescues you from that trap. So we're in John chapter 8. We're going to read the, first, the last verse of chapter 7 and then up through verse 11. So here you go. They went each to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What do you say? This they said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. So Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And at, at once, he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. And Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Amen. Now, this is probably one of the most popular stories about Jesus. And it's probably not scripture. Let me show you what I mean. So if you look in your Bibles, you're going to see two brackets around these verses. And at the top 
or in the footnote, it's going to say the earliest manuscripts did not contain these verses. So let me tell you what's going on here. So scripture, what we have is tons and tons and tons of manuscripts of all the scripture that has been written. Over and over, tons of these manuscripts. And the earliest ones don't contain this story. And the people who have studied this sort of thing, the scholars about this stuff, here's what they said. This is most likely a true story that has happened, and it circulated around, and there was writings of this story, and because people loved this story so much, it was inserted in different places in different manuscripts throughout. And we even have St. Augustine, and we have uh, one of the popes preaching on these back in the 400s, but we don't have any manuscripts up that early. Okay, so what we're going to do is this is how we're going to treat this. We're going to say this is probably not scripture, but nothing in this is untrue of what scripture would say. And so we're going to go to supporting verses that are going to support what's being said here. Okay, and if, if this, that probably bored you, and I might bore you in a set for another second, but here, here's the thing. If this is causing you to doubt the trustworthiness of scripture, what I want to do real quick for a second, some of you might get lost in this. Don't get lost, just stick with me. I want to compare the scriptures to all other ancient writings. So real quick, okay, don't get lost. There are 10 existing manuscripts for Julius Caesar's Gallic Wars, and the earliest manuscripts of this isn't until 1,000 years later. So this, this, this was written, and then the first copy we have of this is 1,000 years after this was written. There's another one. I'm not going to do it because I'm going to mess up the words. Um, 300, we have 300 manuscripts. This is the most of anything besides Scripture of the Iliad. And the first copy we have of that isn't until 1,000 years later. The first copy. Now, here's what Scripture has. Of all of the manuscripts, there is 5,801 manuscripts. And for example, in John, we have something that is less than 100 years after John was written. And here's what also was happening during this time. In 303 AD, one of the Roman emperors ordered all of Scripture to be burned. And so what Christians were doing was hiding and burying Scripture so that this wouldn't happen. And we still have this many copies despite all of that happening. Okay, so that's it. I'm done there. Okay, you can come back. We're going to get to the story. Uh, but the, but the, the bottom line is the reliability of Scripture is overwhelming. All right, so here's back to the story. So in this story, what we're seeing is two traps that two types of people fall into. And the first person, the first type of person here is a stone thrower. We, could all, we have two types of people. One is the stone thrower and the one is the, who is about to be hit by stones. So we can call them the stoners and the stoned. Um, why are you laughing? These are traps, okay? So... The first type of person here is a stone thrower. So what I want you to do is picture right now a circle of people who all have stones in their hand, and what they have done is they have thrown this woman in the midst of this circle, and they're telling Jesus, the law says that this woman should be stoned to death right now. What do you say, Jesus? And what they're trying to do is they're trying to trap him. But little do they know that they have already fallen into a trap themselves. And what you might not know is that at the time, adultery was rampant. 
It was happening everywhere. And here's what would needed to have, been, have happened. This woman would have had to be caught actually in this act by at least two witnesses who would have had to give a public testimony that was exactly the same. But here's the thing. These people don't care anything about that because they're just trying to trap Jesus. They don't care about this woman, what has happened to her. They just want to trap Jesus. But here's what Jesus says to them in order to reel that they have already trapped themselves. He says to them, whoever of you is without sin, throw that first stone. What he has done here is he's shown that every single person in this story and every single person in this world deserves to be standing right where this woman is standing. He's saying to them, you are just like her, and if you can't offer her grace, you will receive none. So here's the supporting Bible verse. Romans 2.1 says, Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every single one of you who judges, for in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. So these people are like the classic churchgoer. They've been going to church all of their life. They've been following all of these rules over and over and over again, and they look down on everybody else who doesn't follow the rules just like they do. And I want you to hear this. Until the churchgoer realizes that they are just like the whore at the end of the street corner, until then, they can never become a Christian. You see what Jesus is doing here? He's humbling the prideful, showing them that they are just like this woman. They all stand in need of grace, every single one of them. He's saying, if you're going to throw stones at this woman, then you better be ready because the stone's coming right back at you. And Jesus is saying, every single one of us, we all have a bit of pride in us. There's something that all of us in this room do that we believe people should live by. And when we don't, we look down upon them and we condemn them. And our minds and our hearts are some other way. So this happened uh, yesterday, actually. I was so thankful for the guy uh, for this because he gave me a perfect sermon illustration. So I'm driving. And also somebody told me I cut them off that's in this room right now. So, I'm, so don't, you don't want to drive around me. So I'm driving, and I'm getting, going to go on the turnpike, and there's this spot where when you're going to go on the turnpike, you can't go straight, but you really can. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to go straight here. Well, there's a guy who was really upset about it. And so he got all up in my lane, and he looked at me, and he was like this. And, but then he never even had to go in the lane. Then he went off to the left. He just wanted to, like, yell at me. He just wanted to throw some stones at me. Um, it, was that you? Okay. So, so here's the other thing. I want you to see, here, here's another way to think about it. Imagine there's some type of recording device attached to you. And every single time you say, someone ought to live like this, or you say, this is the way people ought to live, Every single time you think that in your mind or in your heart, it records. At the end of your life, you appear before God and it's played back. What you will find is that it's not only that we couldn't live the way God's called us to live, we can't even live the way that we've called ourselves and others to live. Who are the people that you are throwing stones at and it's making you guilty? You know, one of the things I've noticed is there's a group of people, and all these people are kind of the same. And somebody new comes into this group, 
and their personality is a little different. A lot of times what happens is that person gets judged by their personality, and this is just only something that's been given to them by God. There's nothing they can do about it. That's just how God has made them, yet they are judged by it. Are you judging people who are different than you politically or theologically? Do you judge people who have different parenting styles? This is a common thing. Do you have people who have a different lifestyle than you? Do you look down at people who are rich because you say, man, their life is easy? Or do you look down at people who are poor because you say, oh, they don't work hard? Or maybe someone says, you know, I don't like hypocrites. Do you know that every single Christian to a degree is a hypocrite? It's because we're saying, I know I should live this way, but I can't seem to do it, but I know I need to live this way. When we did our marriage conference like a week ago, uh, in between one of the sessions, Elise said to me, hey, you should take your own advice. (laughs) I'm a hypocrite. I can't live. I'm telling you guys to live ways that I'm not even living. I know I should be living them. That's why grace is so important. That's why we're always talking about forgiveness and grace over and over and over again. And you know what this does? All of this judging of others, you know what it turns into? Especially today, you know what it becomes? comes gossip. Or tweets, yes. Tweeting gossip. Uh, there's, a, there's a very well-known and respected pastor who's passed away, but here's what he said. Nothing will kill what God is doing in the church more than gossip. Gossip is when something negative is discussed with someone who can't or won't do anything about it. Gossiping is stone throwing. Judging others is stone throwing. If you look down on others, you're throwing stones. A Christian, do you know what they're characterized by in Scripture? Massive amounts of compassion and grace to people around them. They have this ability to be empathetic to others, to feel what others are feeling. And by the way, it's so much easier to throw stones than to put them down. Here's why, because the, what causes you to put stones down is feeling what others feel. And as soon as that happens, it means you're getting involved in their life, you're feeling what they're feeling, you're there for them, and I'm telling you, it's so much easier to throw stones and walk away. But look what Jesus did. He felt what this woman felt. If anybody had the right to throw a stone, it was him. He was perfect. He's without sin. He kept the law perfectly. Yet he was gracious and compassionate to this woman. And that's good news for us. Because remember, we are just like her. That's what Jesus is trying to get us to see. He's convicting us. He's breaking us down, showing us that we're just like her. There's another place where Jesus says, if you just look at a woman lustfully who is not your wife, it's like committing adultery. That means if you look at a woman who isn't your wife and you look at her not like she's your mother or your sister, then you stand in the circle, condemned. If somebody walks into a room and you get this like feeling inside, like this emotional feeling inside that's only meant for your husband or wife, that's like an emotional affair. That's deserving to be standing right in the middle of that circle. The goal here Jesus is doing is to get everyone to feel what it is like to be standing in that circle. 
to feel what it feels like to have stones about to be thrown your way. And if you don't feel like you belong in that circle, Jesus presses you until you are convicted thinking that you do belong in that circle. So that's what I want you to do right now. Just picture yourself in that circle. You're in that circle. Stones are about to be thrown your way. And the reality is that no one becomes a Christian until they realize that is them. So the woman in the story, she already knows she's guilty. She's not fighting that. She doesn't need convincing of that. And she's like, and, and we're all like this, and she's like the second person in the story. She's the second type of person. This person is the rule breaker. This person is the one running from God. This is the one who wants to have nothing to do with the church. And Jesus doesn't say that this woman isn't guilty. He agrees she is guilty of what she has done. But the genius of Jesus, remember, is that he condemns the guilty, but then he forgives the condemned. He's comforting her because she has realized that it is true. She is condemned. Now, there's a trap that many people who are like this woman fall into, and this might be why you're even here right now in this room. Someone says, man, I got to get my life together. I've been doing things wrong, and I got to get my life together. Maybe you just had kids, and hey, you got kids now, so it's time to get in the church. It's time to, you know, get some structure in your life. And so you say, I'm going to come back to the church. And here's what happens. You do that, and you say, I'm going to start following the rules. And what you become is a stone thrower. You went from being in the circle, having, thinking that, yeah, I deserve to have stones thrown at me, and then you become the stone thrower. So that's one trap. Another trap, and I think this is really the trap that happens a lot, is someone who is like this woman says, I'm too far gone. There's no way I could become a Christian. That misses everything about what Christianity is. Christianity is about grace and compassion. There, I was at a party where there was a bunch of Christians there, and the person who was having the party invited his neighbor over. And so the neighbor came over, and someone was talking to him, and he said, you know, I've had probably two people in my life who have loved me, and I've loved them back. He said, I look at people in this room and I can see they all have love like that for each other. He said, I've never seen anything like it. He says, it's just, you know, it's too bad. I'm just too far gone to be able to become a Christian. It's missing. Christianity is all about grace. This is the same thing as someone saying, you know, I'll be talking to people a lot of times, and they find out I'm a pastor, and, and they go, oh, man, I'm afraid if I came to church, I might burn up. And this is completely missing what Christianity is all about. Christianity is about grace. It's about people who know that they are guilty being offered grace and forgiveness. And, and the other trap people fall into is the stone thrower trap where they say, of course God loves me. He sees how hard I'm trying. He sees the effort in everything I'm doing. He sees how I'm serving my family, how I'm going to work, how I'm being responsible. Of course God loves me. I'm telling you, nobody stands in that circle and says to Jesus, hey, tell all those people that I'm a good person. Tell them, convince them. That's not what it means to stand in that circle. What it means to stand in that circle is to go to Jesus and say, Jesus, be gracious to me. Forgive me, please. And then what he does is he stands right in front. And what we see actually is that he ends up taking the stones on the cross. 
in our place. That's what it means to be a Christian. And, and if you're trying to earn acceptance, earn love, then all you have done is missed what Christianity is about. I mean, this is why Christianity is different from every single other religion, because every other religion says, this is the way to God. Follow this path. Follow these rules. Do this and do this and do this. And the Christianity is like, you can't do it. You need grace. The key thing here to grasp is that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's Romans 8.1. That's our other supporting verse. There is now none, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. To be condemned means you know you are guilty and you're awaiting punishment. But what Jesus is offering, what Christianity is saying, what it's saying the Christian does is the Christian says, yes, I'm guilty. But going to Jesus means the punishment is gone because he's taken it for us on the cross. It's wiped away. He took the brunt of it. He took the stones, not us. To be a Christian means you're willing to stand in that circle and say, yeah, I am guilty. But you go to Jesus. You, go, you stand in their circle, that circle just like this woman, knowing that you're guilty. But you go to Jesus for forgiveness, for grace. And he forgives you. Past, present, future sins, all of them, wiped away, gone. And it's, it's so much so that while we are guilty, at the same time, somehow we're not guilty because our record has been wiped clean forever. I bet every single one of us here, to a degree, if you believe there is a God, you are desperately trying to prove to him that you are lovable, that you are acceptable, that he should love you for all of these reasons and all of these reasons and all of these reasons. It's not going to work. Just accept grace. Stop trying to earn your way in and just accept the grace and forgiveness that he's offering you. The problem that we have is that we don't really believe that we're forgiven. We lose sight of us. Every single one of us, even the Christian, even me, I lose sight of the way, that, uh, lose sight of my forgiveness. And then I start trying to earn and say, God, this is why you should love me. This is why you should accept me. And I'm missing the point of what Christianity is. Why do we do this? Because the default mode of the human heart is to try to earn our way to God, to earn love, to earn acceptance. Just go to him and enjoy the grace that he's offering you. Rest, be at peace. There's nothing for you to do. You know, I bet most of you are exhausted trying to get God to love you and accept you. Especially if you've grown up in the church. <laughs> okay, Joe. You are working so hard and you feel so guilty. You've lost sight of grace. Or maybe you've never tasted it once. Taste it, Joe. 
do you know what happens when you really? We're just going to keep talking. <laughs> All right, listen, listen. All right, come back to me. So if you really take hold of the forgiveness that's being offered to you, this grace, you're changed forever. You're absolutely changed. Now, you might lose sight of this grace, and you might lose sight of the fact that you have forgiveness and love and acceptance, but when you're taking hold of that grace and you're feeling the love that God has for you, it causes you to start loving him and causes you to start living completely different. Here's my question. And this, is, this question is for the Christian alone. Are you wasting the grace that you have received? Jesus says to her, go and sin no more. What he's saying here is that take hold of the grace and let that grace change you. What he's saying is that if you will just understand that you are loved and you've been forgiven by God, if you will just understand that, it's going to make you love God. And you're going to see that you have received something that you didn't earn. You didn't earn this. It's just been given to you. It's just been given to you. God didn't choose you because you were so great. God chose you because he's just offering grace to you. It's completely gracious. There's nothing you did to deserve this, yet you have it. Doesn't, shouldn't that move you to be compassionate to others as well? So you see the love God has for you, and then you want to be loving to him and loving to others. And then here's what that does. That causes your life to be filled with purpose. Because you have something now in your heart that you know to be true, this grace that you can just simply offer to others who don't realize it's there for them. Let the grace rapture you into God's love for you and it will compel you to love him, to love others, and to have this purpose and mission in your life that when you see someone who does not know this grace, that you will help them taste it, that it will become a mission, a life mission for you to see people who do not know this grace and you want them to taste it. And so you're constantly offering it to them. Or if you're like, hey, I don't have the words, you say, okay, well, I'm going to bring them here so they can hear about all of it. We're going to have an environment of grace as long as we keep talking about, as long as I keep preaching about it every single Sunday, and there will not be a Sunday where I do not talk about the good news of Jesus Christ coming into the world, giving his life for us, offering us grace. You have been served this huge feast of grace. Table set, it's all out. The banquet is there to feast on grace. And there's tons of leftovers, but we tend to not invite people to the banquet. We're wasting the grace we've been given. You all have friends, family, neighbors, coworkers who have no idea that God is a gracious God. They think Christianity is about following a bunch of rules and they're completely missing it. And you have the recipe, you have the grace in your heart that you can just offer to them. And if you don't know what to say, bring them here. 
There are people in your life right now who are in that circle and they are drowning in guilt. They're drowning in shame and they're drowning in hopelessness. They feel the weight of it, but they don't know what to do about it. Offer them grace. Bring them here to hear about grace. There's people in your life who think, man, I got to work hard to get God to love me. And they're running and running, trying to earn love, trying to earn acceptance from God. Offer them grace. There are people in your life who are stone throwers. You might have friends that are stone throwers. You might have been hit by those stones, but you know what? You don't look at them with anything else but grace and compassion because you know that you're a stone thrower too. And so you tell them about the grace and you tell them about Jesus so that he will then condemn them and make them aware of their guilt, but then at the same time he's offering them forgiveness and grace over and over and over again. You know, I think something that is raging in our culture is this feeling of my life doesn't matter, this feeling of meaninglessness. And, you know, the remedy for that is an awareness that you have grace to offer up to people. Do you know how much purpose is in your heart if you have said, yeah, I believe this is true. I believe I'm taking the grace. If you've taken that and that's in your heart, do you know how much purpose you are just walking around with that you can just constantly be offering to people? Your life has meaning because you are holding on to a treasure that's come down from heaven, down into the earth, and is dwelling in your heart that you can offer to everybody. The Grove is a place for you to belong. Anyone can belong here. Anyone can feel accepted and loved here. But that's not the beauty of what's happening. What the beauty of what is happening is that grace is constantly being offered out. Many times people say, ah, church, it's irrelevant. And I agree, the church is irrelevant if a church is not offering up the good news of Jesus Christ. But if that church is offering up the good news of Jesus Christ, there is nothing more relevant in our city than a church that is doing that. Eternity is hanging in the balances. Condemnation, forgiveness. You have this ever-flowing treasure of grace within you. Just open up the floodgates and let it pour out in the way you live your life, but in the words that you have to tell people about the grace of God. Don't waste a treasure that is always flowing the leftovers, there's tons of them. It doesn't stop. And do you know this feast? You know how it's made? This feast, the table is set, here's how. Because Jesus Christ was condemned in your place. In your place, he stood condemned. We, we sang it. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. That's how this happened. The reason he can demand perfection is because he's perfect. And the reason he can offer grace is because he was condemned in your place on the cross. And that grace is absolutely available to everybody. 
You don't have to be in a club. You don't have to do anything. This is simply being offered to all. All of you, all of your friends, all of the city, the grace is offered. It's just about taking it. We're all standing in that circle. And Jesus Christ is saying, let's get out of here. I'm taking the stones in your place so you can get out. What you really end up seeing you see in that circle, you see God come down and you see him hit with the stones. And as he's breathing his last breath, he says, it is finished. You can go. Get out of here. The circle is not for you. It's for me in your place. I'm going there. But you have to take the grace You have to take it and make it yours. You have to accept that he's going to be gracious to you. And you can't earn it. You just say yes to it. That's it.